0: On today's show, we have a different show. We talk to a husband and a father who's experienced unspeakable tragedy with his wife and with his kids, and we help him pick up the pieces, figure out the next steps that he can do in his heart and in his home. Stay with us. Hey, what's up, what's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. We talk about relationships and mental health and life. And just the bonkers world that we live in. Friends James and Kelly are here with me, and we're so glad that you joined us on this podcast and on this YouTube show. Literally, there's a trillion other places you could be, and we're glad that you came over to hang out with us today. We are glad that you are here so, hey, I always tell people, hey, send me a follow-up email, how, this, how your world's going, shoot me a letter, give us a call, let us know, and we get those from time to time. Um, not as often as I would like, but we do get them. Sometimes people are upset with me. Sometimes people um, – actually, that's really rare. Have, Kelly, we got like one of those, right? Just one.
1: Yeah, we don't get a ton, but we've, we've gotten a few more lately. You'll be hearing a couple more of these
0: coming the, up. Where they, they don't like me?
1: No, that's just James and I.
0: But uh, okay. the other people, they do. <laughs> So this one came in, Um, Jane, here's what it says. This is Jane, formerly of Louisville, Kentucky, who called last December because my husband wanted to transition to be a woman. This Thursday, our divorce goes before the judge in Kentucky. Um, Chris moved to Hawaii and is fully leaning into his transition. And we relocated to my hometown of Tampa, Florida in April. It's been hard. The hardest part is that Chris is reckoning or revoking the friendship we had which is all we had, and what got us through the last four years. Now Chris is turning the tables on me saying, I'm dumping him, I'm dumping her, I'm dumping everything. It's all very frustrating, and I'm grieving losing my friend even more than the final death of the marriage. Now Chris is saying we never had anything in common anyway, even though we've been friends since we were 14. Just wanted Dr. John to know that his advice has been so helpful to me to make these tough decisions. The final straw was when on the show the other day, Dr. John said that kids growing up in a home with negative vibes would affect them and they would absorb it. Well, later that night, I caught myself making a snide, bitter, jaded comment about a cute married couple on HGTV. My daughter got upset and started crying. I knew right then that we had to end the marriage so I could stop being bitter because at this point I was choosing that path. And I want to my daughter to grow up in a clear and bright and happy vibes home. Thank you. So, number one, man, just the heartbreak surrounding this whole thing. I know this has been hard on everybody in this relationship. Um, and if you go back and listen to the call, I'm put in the show notes when the original call was back in the day. And that way you can just go click and find it. Um, this is a tough call. They, uh, This couple have been working through this for a long, long time. And they had not had much of a marriage as much as a really close friendship and um, then things got sideways or th- ultimately there's they just a period at the end of this sentence um, but I wanted to point out a few things in this number one Jane thank you so much for writing back letting us know um, sometimes not sometimes often um, these shows are just in a vacuum for me so I get to spend 10 or 11 or 9 or 7 intimate moments with somebody then it's just gone into the ether and um, I wonder sometimes what's what's going on Um, second thing is, man, this is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. You lost your best friend. You lost your husband. And now you've recognized that your daughter's absorbed this too and that she is, um taking your bitterness and it's encoding in her dna literally and so i know this has just been a hard season hard several years for everybody involved and the challenge that chris has been going through um, your former husband's been wrestling with this stuff and just how hard that's been for everybody and now you're literally across the world from your best friend from your partner of so many years and just tough um but i want to say a couple more things The first one is this. You mentioned now Chris is saying that we never had anything in common anyway, even though we've been friends since we were 14. Often when we get to a place where we've got to make a final call, whether that is the marriage is over or I'm leaving this job or I'm not going to that restaurant anymore or something small, like I'm not using that um, yard guy anymore. We often are so unsettled, uncomfortable in the hurt of the end of a a relationship with anybody for anything that we made. This is our decision that we are putting a period at the end of this sentence that we often make ourselves feel better by dumping on those other relationships. So, you know, we quit a job and we go take another job, whether it's a good one or a little bit worse, but it's closer to family further away. It's so easy to cast that former job in a negative light. Well, I didn't even like working there anyway. They're crazy. They like make you do that. And it was fine when they're paying you. You know, it was great when things were good. It's when something else came along or they let you go, they fire you. And we look back and go, well, I didn't even like them anyway. Especially this happens with relationships. When people have been dating a long time, they've been married for a long time and they get to the end and they turn back and they just, look back and burn everything reverse, in reverse. Man, I'm so glad I'm not there anymore. They used to smack every time they would eat dinner and it drove me crazy. I'm so glad to be out of that, whatever it happens to be. So if you've just had your heart broken, if someone has just left you, if someone has just upended your world, if you've just lost your job, fill in the blank, And somebody says, now he's saying, we never had anything in common anyway, even though we've been friends since 14. Rest assured that that's part of somebody who's hurting and trying to grieve and you're just a casualty of that grief. You did have a lot in common. You've been friends for years and years and years and years and years. have a child together. You had a life together. You shared laughs together. You shared grief together. You went to performances together. You were intimate together. There was a life there. And often when we look back and say, you know, we never have anything in common anyway, you feel crazy because you think, "I, I thought we did. I thought those laughs were real. I thought that sadness and heartbreak was real. It was. It was. I thought that we had a good working relationship together. And I know that person wants to quit now or we had to cut them loose. But all these negative things they're saying about us in the press or at home or with, through mutual acquaintances or mutual colleagues, I thought we things were good. They were. They were. So the challenge here is twofold. Number one, if you're transitioning out of a relationship, you're cutting it off. You are breaking up. You're leaving. You're quitting. You're getting a new dry cleaner, whatever it is. Be honest about the good stuff too. And steer clear of these grenade comments like, there was never anything here anyway. Yes, there was. I never liked you. Yeah, you did. I never thought you did. It's okay to no longer feel a certain way about something and not nuke the past. And if you're on, the second thing is if you're on the other end of this deal and you're receiving some of this out of the blue, just caustic grenades, rest knowing they're not true. You're not crazy. There was a connection there. There was some community there. However weird or twisted or sad or heartbreaking or whatever it happened to be at that job or whatever it happened to be with your yard person or whatever. You're not crazy. There was something there not anymore, or maybe it is, and they're, people are just trying to amp themselves up. They're trying to flux their way through this relationship, but you're not nuts, and it's okay just to be heartbroken for a season. The second thing is this. Kids absorb tension, and I don't want us to forget that. That doesn't always mean you got to end your marriage. This one, in this particular case, um, it, uh, if I remember correctly, it's been a long, long time since we took this call, but Jane was saying they hadn't been... They had been technically married for four years, but they were just best friends. Um, And they hadn't um, had a romantic relationship of any sort. They hadn't had anything other than a good friend relationship in years. She knew it. She wanted to be out of that relationship, and she realized she's just choosing it. Most people, I'm not recommending you end anything. I'm recommending that um, you take a good hard look at your partner and say, we deserve better than this. Our kids deserve better than this. We could, we could choose joy other than yelling. We could choose um, to lean into laughter and intimacy and starting all over and building a relationship that is going to be great for both of us. We could both choose that if we wanted to. We could choose a house where people chose to be curious and chose laughter other than yelling and slamming things because your kids are absorbing every single second of it, all of it. And I say this all the time and I'll keep saying it. When kids feel that tension, their bodies react and their reaction may be ADHD. It may be anxiety. It may be depression. It may be any number of things. Their body is going to try to solve that problem of a chaotic household. It's going to respond. The alarms are going to go off. And the kids will be on a lifelong mission to make mom and dad okay and that will ultimately lead them to make sure their marriage partner's okay and their boss is okay and their neighborhood's okay and fill in the blank on and on and on and on stop it choose peace for your home choose peace for your heart choose peace for your kids and if you got a partner that just won't play like no I choose anger I choose yelling because I'm awesome whatever I choose slamming things play this for them <laughs> sit down and say I want to choose peace I want to choose laughter I am going to choose joy and with all the chaos that's going on in the world what better place than inside of our homes it's one of the last places on earth we can actually choose to do anything we can choose joy it just takes a decision takes a partner. takes a... Here we go. Choose joy. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Be honest. How often do you find yourself pausing in the middle of a day and it feels like there is so much going on and you find yourself wondering, what would I do with just a spare hour or 30 minutes? Can you even imagine And it's in these moments that we often realize we're living someone else's life. Everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving our lives, and we can't keep carrying this load for everyone and everything. And it's in these moments when it feels like too much or when you need some help parsing through all the chaos that talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you have with boundaries, time, commitments, and your own self-worth. And that can be in relationships with your friends, people at work, your significant other, or even how you can make and keep commitments with yourself. Therapy can be amazing for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make it happen. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills so you can be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. And we're back. All right, so before we go to Aaron in Sacramento, I want to let everybody know this is a different show today. Um, this is a, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Leave it. This is a different show. It's going to be, uh, hang with us. It's going to be um, incredible, but um, we're going to take this in a little bit different direction than we normally go. Aaron, this is Deloney. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, Dr. John. How are you? Given the circumstances, that's just that's pretty incredible, man. Well, I'll have to give
1: you an update at some point, but uh, yeah, given the circumstances, it's been a worst month of my life. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> So, um, for the listener and for you um you oh, this is your story to tell, and so um I'd love to you hop in here whenever um uh, i Kelly let me know um last week that you had reached out to us and had had a hurricane and an atomic bomb and everything else you can imagine go off inside your home, and you reached out and wanted to wanted to spend some time together and man, we cleared the whole deck and this show is just going to be me and you. That's it. And um, I can recap what I know, or if you feel comfortable, I'd love for you to tell your story. I know you've rehashed this a million times um, in court and in the public and all, you know, partridge in a pear tree, but um, if you're comfortable, I'd love for you to tell your story and, Give me an update of where you're at, and then how I can help. Yeah,
1: man. sure. Yeah, I can. I can kind of give you a, the backstory, just in my own words. Um, I haven't had to tell it in court yet, thank God. But yes, um, I let's take you back four weeks ago today. Um, just a regular Monday day. I was at work myself with my daughter. I'm a owner operator trucker, so Daddy Daughter Day. You know, I have mm-hmm. five kids by the way. Um, oldest is 17. My youngest daughter is eight. and There's three boys in between. 16, 13 and 10. Hmm. And, uh, my oldest boy was at college. And so my mom, my mom, my wife was home with uh, my three middle boys and, uh, just a regular old Monday, nothing was going on. My wife was just sitting at the, uh, dining room table in our house. And, um, little did we know that my, uh, my older two boys at home, 16 and 13 year old had premeditated, um, an attack on, on my wife and, uh, carried out just out of nowhere. Um, no one saw any signs coming. No one, no one would have expected it. Still is baffling. Four weeks later, it makes no sense. Um, but they did. They, they're, in their little minds, their plan was to attack mom and, I think, escape, You know, leave the house, take the van, because the older one has the driver's license, and, and leave, leave the state. And who knows what they were going to do, but that was what was in their mind. Uh, my older son took it upon himself. I, I don't think this was, this was pre-planned, but he went into a murderous rage and actually tried to kill my wife. Hmm. Um, and very nearly did. Um, and they came at her with knives and uh, a, a baseball bat. My oldest son had a baseball bat. Um, again, unprovoked. She was stabbed quite a few times. Um, she was beaten over the head with a baseball bat. My 10-year-old, who was not in the same room, heard mom scream and came running to see what was going on. I went running for help. And uh, he got taken down by my older son with a baseball bat. Took a really... Really bad uh, head injury mm. to the back of his head. And um, <clears throat> it lasted about 45 minutes, and, you know, moved from different room to different room. My wife escaped to this and that and um, ended up in, in our bedroom. And uh, she ended up talking, getting my 16 year old to talk, and getting her to talk, and getting to talk. And she started praying for everybody and, and asked us for more time, you know. Um, she thought her life was. You know, she told me that she thought her life was over, um, and she just started, you know, asked for some time to pray for him. And she started praying and um, got him to talk and asked, you know, what you know what he was planning on doing and why he was doing this. And he he was murderous. He he, he stated outright he he was planning on on murdering her, and he thought he'd already killed my my ten year old son. Turns out it wasn't true, hmm. but um, he got her, got him to talk, got him to talk, and eventually, after forty five minutes or so. He called 911, um, confessed to what had happened, told him there was, my wife was hurt, my son was hurt. And uh, they told him to give the phone to my mom. My, I keep doing it. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. My me. wife. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so 911 was, was on the phone with my, my wife. Uh, they put the weapons down, went outside and cooperated. Um, deputies came and they arrested my two sons. And, uh, they took my youngest son and my wife to the emergency room and, uh, immediately went into surgery, life-threatening injuries, both of them. Um, I got wind of something funny going on because my son actually sent a message over the internet to a friend. I still don't even know who that is, who called our church, who called me and said, Hey, I got this really funny message about, you know, your son. And so I actually raced home. So I was only about a half hour away and I couldn't get hold of my wife and I, can't, I showed up and there was a dozen de- deputies around my house. It was closed. Jeez. And, uh, they wouldn't tell me what was going on, but I, I knew it was bad. And yeah. They, you know, asked, is anyone dead? <laughs> I figured someone had to be dead for all that. And thank God that wasn't quite the case, but it was close. Yeah. It was very, very close. Um, so I don't know where you want me to skip to from there, but that that's what
0: happened. Um, so let's, let's it, stop there for a minute. Okay. Um, I, Man, I don't have any words, man. And you've, you've obviously listened to the show, and you know that's a rare moment. <laughs> but I'm out of words. Um, yeah. But, brother, my heart's broken for
1: you. Yeah, I didn't either. I spent the afternoon in that hospital. Both my wife and my younger son were in emergency surgery at two different hospitals, by the way, which made it— Oh, yeah. Os- it, it, yeah, just yeah. It, it added complications down the road. But um, I, I, I just I was pacing around the hospital, not knowing— all all I knew in the moment was my son was completely not responsive. Mm -hmm. His pupils were dilated. He had no response whatsoever, but they took him into surgery and they, you know, he had traumatic brain injury. Sure. And, um, but I knew my wife going into surgery was repeating my name and my phone number over and over and over trying to Mm -hmm. get them to call me so that I knew what was going on. And so I, I, I was hopeful that she, (laughs) I knew she wasn't dead. Yeah. Um, but I, um, when I got when I got a debrief from the doctor after like five hours of pacing the hospital from about my son, um, uh, they without using the words, they basically told me he was not gonna survive. Yeah. And they, they they lowered expectations. They, they said it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. Um they have some sort of scale they use when they bring him to the hospital. It's like a one to fifteen for brain injuries. Right. He was a one he was a one.
0: Wow. <sighs> they, they they had no hope that this kid would survive. Hmm. And so <sighs> For I mean, Lord willing, none of us are ever in this situation. Yeah. Um, Give give people a a, some words about the disassociative effects of you're just walking. I mean, the lights are brighter and things feel like you're in a video game or you're not real. Walk people through just pacing the hospital. um, All the text messages start coming through. This is in the media. This is all over the place.
1: Well, it wasn't. It wasn't that first day. Uh, oh, okay. That first
0: night. You know, not in the first hours anyway. You know, that took a little while.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, you know, in the first in the hospital, I'm pacing the hospital. I got a hold of my son that was in the college, and they, the the sheriff's uh, they had a PR person on site. By the time I got there, he actually he was in civilian clothes. He actually drove me to the hospital and my daughter who was with me. Oh, that's great. And and then he went and picked up my son, so the three of us were at least together in the hospital, but. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what to tell my kids, and I felt like I should be sitting there broken down crying, but I wasn't. I was just kind of, I don't know, which is one of my kind of questions for you long term. I I still feel kind of just numb about that thing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to those questions. So, yeah, but in the moment, it's just completely numbing, and it's just you know you don't. You don't plan for something like that. Obviously, no one does. This is something you read about on a, a you know
0: in the news or something, right. and all of a sudden you're in it. Oh, man, so three or four weeks have gone by now. Walk us through yeah. what the last three or four weeks have been like. <laughs> Maybe the best three or four weeks of my life. <laughs> um,
1: I, I mean, I'll skip right to the end. My my wife is out of the hospital. We um, wow, gonna, it, I didn't I, hadn't heard yeah. that, man. Oh yeah. And my, my son, I'm in the hospital with him right now. Well, not with him. I'm in the next room over, but, um, he's, he's going to be discharged in the next couple of days. John is truly a miracle. Yes, it is absolutely a miracle. No one can really fathom what has happened to, like I said, I I had faith my, my wife would make it out of this in some fashion, but I thought four weeks ago that I was going to lose my son. And four weeks later, they're literally talking about discharging him tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, Wednesday.
0: What's his cognitive capacity?
1: Amazing for where he is. Wow. <laughs> he's walking, he's talking, he's eating. He, I mean, they took the feeding team out last uh, this last week because he spent the whole week eating everything they would put in front of his face. He's yeah. got the appetite of an amazing 10-year-old little boy. Of a 10-year-old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, can I have you know, a snack? I mean, snack? Can I have a
0: snack? Can I have a snack? Yeah.
1: I mean, so the you know the last four weeks, or four weeks, or sorry, for a week, he spent... Completely sedated, he was in the the PICU, the the pediatric ICU right. yep. at, at the Children's Hospital here, and completely sedated. He had monitors everywhere, breathing tube, feeding tube, the whole nine yards. They were you know uh, uh, drains out of his head for mm-hmm. excess blood. It's just that whole thing, you know. And after the first couple of days, when it was apparent he wasn't going to die, which that's what we all thought. I mean, you know, nurses everything. But after a couple of days, the swelling wasn't getting much worse, and. It was looking like, okay, this is going to be okay. But even at that point, then there's, you know, you you have no idea what this kid's life is going to be like. You don't know if he's going to come back at all. He might be brain dead. Even if he comes back, we were getting warnings over and over from nurses about how, um, I don't remember the terminology, but they had terms for different kind of outbursts that they would have or different personalities that they would come back with sometimes. And, you know, they were telling us this kid's not going to be the same kid, even if he makes a a recovery and they're looking at six to nine months in the ICU, and all of this stuff. And so we spent about a week there. And after a week, they, they, they his body was good enough that they could take the sedation completely down. Hmm. And then he started to kind of wake up. And after a couple of days, he could kind of communicate a little with his hands. You know, he could give a thumbs up or he get, you know, one finger for one, two finger for no, or sorry, one finger for yes, two finger for no kind of thing. Hmm. And so he could communicate just little bits like that. And then, you know, a week and a half later, I, I mean, he was getting better and better. And every day, the doctors were just amazed. They finally took him out of the ICU and moved him to a regular hospital room because there wasn't any need for that level. You know, They took him the breathing tube out at a, after a week and a half or so. And he was in the, a regular hospital room. And, oh, I got to add in just the whole, this whole COVID nonsense. I mean, I'm in California. Dude, it's, it's crazy out <laughs> here still. <laughs> and so they only let two people on the visitor list. Total. You can't change it around. It's not two at a time. It's two people total. Mm. And so it's been basically myself and my mom, his grandma, are like the only two people that have been able to see him this entire time, which Yikes. is just crazy yeah. and adds the whole emotional toll of it all. Absolutely. But um, he was in that hotel room and I can't tell you the excitement. One morning I was, my, my mom was up visiting with him in the morning and I was going to come relieve her at some point. And I got a text from her saying, uh, when are you going to be here? Uh, your son wants to know. And I thought that was kind of a weird thing to say because I was, you know, I definitely was communicating ones and twos. Yep. And uh, this was like a week and a half ago. I came around the corner into his room, and he looked me dead in the eye and said, hi, Dad. And that was the first words I heard out of his mouth.
0: <laughs> man, hey, I'm smiling ear to ear too, Aaron. I can hear you yeah. smiling on the phone now. <laughs> that's amazing, man. It, it's been an amazing recovery.
1: Yeah. And, um, it, you know, that's all good. I mean, there's all the other stuff we got to deal with. I got yeah. kids in court and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, let's the, the let, son himself is just—it's it, just been amazing. And like I said, we're out of the hospital in a couple of days. here. He's walking, talking. He's got to wear a helmet because he's got a piece of his skull still missing. Sure. But, um, outside of that, he—he he looks like and he talks a little slower than he used to, and he's got to think a little harder. But outside of that, he's the same kid that I knew and loved four
0: and a half weeks ago. Absolutely, you know? man. And some of that—some of that speech is can be anesthetic related even. And so once you get him out and get him into his own environment that, um, that's dude, that is incredible, man. Thank you for sharing that. You just made my whole day. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So the other side of that is, is you've got two kids who are in the court system for at some level of attempted murder. And they were arraigned, they were arraigned several weeks ago with both of them, two counts of attempted murder. Okay. Is anybody being
1: tried as an adult? Uh, my older son, the state has,
0: declared they're going to attempt to. Wow. Yes. 16? Yep. Jeez, man. And so walk yep. me through the feelings you have on the other side of this. So you've got the trauma of, I just may have lost my best friend and partner and wife. Yep. And I may have lost my 10-year-old baby son. Yep. And, oh my gosh, incredible, they're safe. And now you've got this other side of this conversation, which is... Yep. <laughs> I've got two two kids that tried to murder my my family. Yep. So walk yep. me through what's in your heart and mind there. It makes everything weird. They they've appointed
1: special lawyers that are not um the public defenders because of the circumstances with, you know, I and my wife are victims and parents at right. the same time. Yep. So it makes the whole legal system weird when I'm talking to detectives sometimes they're talking to me as the parent and sometimes they're talking to me as the, you know, father of the accused as a victim. And, yeah. 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 Please. And, and so you gotta, you gotta walk that line. But, um, I mean, long story short, they, like I said, they both got arraigned in court. There, there's definitely a, uh, an aggressor and a follower situation going on between the two of them, but gotcha. in the eyes of the law, they both participated in some fashion. Yeah. And so they're both guilty of, of attempted murder. And I mean, thank God for them. It's, it's as little as that, you know, given how, how brutal it was, it could
0: but have been. Man.
1: I've, I've met with, uh, both of myself. I'm the only one that's gotten in front of them other than lawyers, yeah. um, and, and other counselors, um, that are in the juvie system. And that's tough. I mean, you sit in front of them and
0: tell me about your I conversation don't, don't, with your 16 year old.
1: <sighs> that one is difficult. I've only gotten in front of them once. I was going to get in front of him here in a couple of days again, but they wouldn't let me see him for a couple of weeks, given the the weirdness of the situation. But they finally did a couple of weeks ago, and um, he was very um, reserved. I don't. I, I've been thinking about how to put this because I don't. I don't know the the, the psychological mental illness world, but I I do think in, in conversations with a couple of people that have met with him in the juvie system, there may be a burdening mental illness of some kind going on with him. We don't know, obviously hasn't been diagnosed and I don't want to put anything in his mind. That's not there. Sure. But in, in speaking with him in person, um, I mean, he did meet with me. He didn't refuse. Um, but he was very reserved, very down. He said he regretted what had happened. Um, but he, he was so, it looked like depression to me. It looked like a kid that was depressed and understandably.
0: So sure, at this yeah. point, his his and, life as he knew it is over.
1: Yeah. 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 And wow. he had so much going for him, but yeah. He just in the the look in his face, you know, just showed
0: the depression. He's a and ghost, I, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, and hearing my wife tell the story of that day, I don't know if it was some sort of, I mean, I've heard the term manic attack. I don't, I don't know if there's any media going on in that moment, but there was yeah. such a high and low between the when that thing started and when it ended that day. And then I'm looking at him now, and he's he's not that kid that could do something like that. He's yeah. you know, yeah. he just looks depressed and down. He says he regrets it. but He's not not sure what to do, obviously. He's a 16-year-old he's, kid. He's a, he's a kid, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what to do with him either. I'm not, I've never had to deal with courts and judges and all this
0: stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's not my world. Well, dude, but, um, as we get into what we do next, think, number one, thanks for telling your story and for yeah. unpacking that. I know that's a horrible story. We could probably spend another few days together talking about your other two kids. you got a younger daughter who was with you who just lost everything yep. and you've got an older child who's in college just lost everything. And um, here you are, dad at the epicenter here having to hold all this stuff together. The two kids who are in the court system now who you so badly want to love and believe in. And who also tried to murder your wife and you've got your recovering two traumatic brain injuries in your home. One of which is the other I would say half, but let's be real. Um, you're a truck driver, so she's the other 85% of, you know, the person who runs the house. Absolutely. and And you got two other little kids who, if they had friends that this had gone through, you'd be there for them because it'd be traumatic and it's in their own house. And so yep. here you are in the middle holding a unspooled sweater, just a pile of string. Man, well, so that's what I feel like it. I feel like I am in the middle of everything. I'm I'm the dad. I'm the husband. I'm the father. I'm
1: the, the you son are. of the grandparents that are there. I'm the you, you know are. I'm the point of contact for the police, for the lawyers, for everything.
0: You, you are know? man. So let's take some time, dude. Um, I, you're still in this. You said it best. You haven't you haven't just fallen apart. You haven't cried. And there's that weird meta moment that starts happening, thinking, "Huh, I would have thought if my kids were." Incarcerated, or I would have thought if my wife was almost gonna was was almost um, about to leave us that I would act this way, but um, my body's acting that way, right? So you have this w- almost right. meta disassociative. You start talking to yourself in the voice behind the voice, right? Like what's actually <laughs> happening, right?
1: And um, then there's those weird day. nights yep.
0: you just go home and think, I'm just gonna turn on the office, and it's this like you're here but you're not here, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, dude, any questions you want to ask, I'll go there with you. <laughs>
1: i don't I don't know it is that weird feeling of being in the middle you you know i don't I don't watch the office, but I sit around playing stupid video poker for hours in the evening, just whittling away time when i when I have my own time you know yeah <laughs> that's my yeah. that's my 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 numbing agent I guess it's just just killing random time, staying up way too late, and then i'm I don't sleep because you know everyone yeah. t- yells at me about getting. Enough sleep and eating, and <laughs> exactly. easier said than done. Yeah.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, but, for whatever it's worth, you get a pass for a few days. Okay, cool, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get a pass. All right, so man, let's let's do this. Any, tell me what's on your heart and mind, and how I can how I can help. Uh, again, I'm, I don't even know, John. I, I guess I guess
1: I need I need a little help on just all these different all these different pieces. I got my wife that I can't really even share everything with. You know, uh-huh. uh, with the family, I, I I can't really talk to her about my older sons. You know, yep. It's like, but I can talk to her about my younger son that, that, that is recovering so amazingly, and we talk about him all the time. And you know, my my, you mentioned my seventeen and my younger uh, daughter. That they're probably the, the easiest going about this whole thing because they're somewhat removed from it. They weren't there. Right. And my oldest son can go back to college. My youngest daughter is with family, just kind of removed from the situation, playing with the cousins all the time. You know, she's good. Um, so I. I I have to talk to different people about different aspects of it. And it feels so bifurcated and, you know, I can talk to the detectives about my son, but I got to be careful what I say because I want to, you know, add fuel to the fire that, you know, could put them in jail longer. But at the same time, maybe I want them in jail longer because they tried to kill my wife and right. I feel just very torn apart in all these different ways. And so I just, I kind of try to ignore a lot of it. You know, I don't I
0: try not to think about all those dissociative but associative pieces, you know, yeah. um, so here's a couple of things I'll give you to walk through it. And then you stop me and ask any question anytime. Okay. okay. So number one is you got to have one, two, five, nine people. that are going to walk through this thing with you. And I want you to think of this as you're the quarterback now for everything. And you got to have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and a head coach somewhere. Who are those people for you? Rattle them off for me.
1: Oh, I mean, I'm probably my my best friend, but he's not in the area. I <laughs> I called him in the middle of the night. The other night, um, my cousin growing up. Um, he's a guy that I can just call and talk to if I ever need just to talk about random stuff like that. Okay, I have a uh, a neighbor that was a um, oh shoot, what he? Do I don't know him well, but he was a, a counselor for twenty years in the. Dealing with trauma and
0: Aaron, counselors can... are the worst. Stay away from those <laughs> No, that's great.
1: Well, I just don't know them very well. I guess it's a weird thing, you know? Sure. I don't know if it's a good thing, though, if I don't, if it's, if I'm talking to someone about this nonsense that I don't have a
0: relationship with really outside of, you know, friendly banter. Yeah. How, how about work? I, are you still having, I mean, you, obviously you're still having to go to work every day to pay the bills, huh? I haven't been to work in a month, man. Okay. Are they taking care of you or are you, is you just, Not slowly... my, on credit cards
1: operator. I haven't I haven't made a dollar but you know we we put out a go find Me page and made ma- raised a little bit of money and people have been very generous with okay. their time and with meals and stuff so
0: do you have a church community you're connected to or
1: absolutely okay absolutely All right. uh, we, I've been getting a lot of input from our, our lead pastor and we have a, a church that loves us and will, will absolutely take care of it. we've been there cool. for 20 or 18 years so
0: fantastic cool so here's what I want you yeah. to do when you to get out a piece of paper and I want you to come up with who your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and head coach is going to be. And you're not really going to offense on one and defense on the other, but I'm thinking I need somebody to help quarterback my home, help take care of this house. Are there going to be meals here? here? The, is the light bill going to be paid? Um, in mo- in days when I'm going to have to be in court and someone has to help my wife go to the bathroom, whatever those realities are going to be for you with two people with traumatic brain injuries, um, is there somebody you can sit down with or two people or three people or a couple, um, like a, a husband and wife team or something you can look across the table from and say, over the next 60 days, I'm going to need you guys to step into my life. I'd like to invite you into that. And that might be a couple at church that you've known for a long time and you've never been that specific. But here's the the meta here is you've got to sit down and make your needs known and risk asking somebody for help. Okay. Okay. And then I want you to get whether it's your own attorney, whether it's an attorney at church, somebody you know, somebody that's going to help you understand the legal jargon. Both your kids, I'm sure got different t- attorneys. If they're going to try one as an adult, yep. my guess is they, is that right? They got yeah, different they're, ones. They're different. Yep. Yep. Yeah, dude. And it's some weird moment. You nailed it. You're going to have to sit by your kids because they're minors and they can't make decisions on their own. And you're the, <laughs> you're the victim, right? You're on the other right. side of the table. And this is going to cause some major tension in your marriage. And it's gonna. You're gonna have to have some somebody be with you at all of these meetings, if possible. And that might be your dad. It might be your mom. It might be a friend who's just like, "Man, I'm all in on this. On with you." If you don't, and you, that that can't happen, take a recorder with you so you can record these meetings. Because what's gonna happen is you're gonna start running together on you. You're gonna think this one meant that that one and that one. I thought I was talking to this lawyer, and uh, that was actually my kid's teacher. It's gonna start jumbling up in your head. Okay? Okay. And you are probably, I would, I'd be willing to, my truck's not very nice. I'd be willing to bet my truck right now, you are still in some sort of shock. Your body has taken over for your brain. Okay? That will slowly start to, you you can't do it for long, your brain, your body can't do that long term. It will start to take back. It'll start to recede. And those feelings you're talking about, that rage, that anger, that, those tears, you're going to be sitting there playing playing video games one night, and you start crying. for everybody. That will come. It will come in heavy waves. And so having your best friend on letting them know, I'm going to call you at crazy moments. Okay. Please answer your phone. Um, and it might be, I'm going to call you and just let a string of expletives go that maybe have never been, put together on the face of the earth, but they're going to come out of my mouth and I need somebody else to hear that because grief demands a witness. And they'll say, you good? And you'll be like, yep, just need to get that out. And it's 3 a.m. And they're going to hang up and everybody's going to go back to sleep. Or it may be, they just ask me um, if my son X, Y, and Z, and I know he did that. Or I know he's got a journal or I know his passcode to his phone and the dad in me wants to say, I don't know where that is because I know what's on there. Mm-hmm. and the truth is I need to I need to put that out there because he hurt somebody he could hurt somebody again mm-hmm. and I need you to walk alongside with me and make sure that I make ethical right decisions not emotional dad decisions okay mm-hmm. and have somebody that's gonna walk so I'm just I'm, I'm those are just a few examples long story short you're gonna have to have people in your life that you assign to a post and that will walk through you walk through this with you yeah. Okay,
1: I think I, I think I have a, a lot of that. It just feels like it's so many different.
0: It is. It people. is. People. That's why I want you to have a head coach, somebody that will come over. And this might be your dad. It might be your mom. It might be your pastor. It might be an attorney friend at church. It might be anybody. A mechanic friend at church who will sit down with you. And this is number two on a piece of paper. You got to map this thing out. You know, like my buddy Dave Ramsey talks about. You know, you got to make a budget. Here's all the debts I have. I got to write them out and look at them on a piece of paper. That's what you've mm-hmm. got to do here. You got too much going on. All right? Go to Target or go to Walmart, get a, a folder that you can have and put every kid you have's name on it and your spouse. You're going to start getting medical bills out the wazoo. You're going to get legal stuff. You're going to have to be here at this place and there in that place. It's just going to, the the paperwork and the stuff and the jargon and all you're going to have to have an organization um, – your organization have to be top-notch. So start that at the front end of this thing, okay? <laughs> all the paperwork sitting in a big pile now. I know right? it is. I, I know it is, man. That's what I'm telling you. Go get a <laughs> folder. Because what's going to happen in four months, someone's going to say, hey, I need such-and-such such paper. What did you say? When you talk to such-and-such such person on this day, what did you say? And you're going to be like, dude, I don't even know what day it was that day. <laughs> I want you to have a file folder full of all the paperwork neatly filed it's going to help you sleep okay Okay. i also want you to have a journal of some sort it can be five dollars or ten bucks that you get at walmart that just says i talked to detective so and so at this time on this day about this and in six months in two years in seven years when this stuff is still in court or your kid comes up for parole or whatever happens you're going to want to look back and say here's what this was about all right, And what I'm telling you is if, the, if you've got piles of paper everywhere and you talk to this detective and you talk to that doctor and this bill collector and then your boss is like, hey, are you going to run a route or what? Your brain is going to go hyperactive on you. And when it goes hyperactive, you're not going to sleep at night. And when you don't sleep at night, you're going to start getting really anxious and you're going you're to start slipping into your own depression. And so what I want you to do is to keep your environment spotless, Okay. Stay as org- – it may be the first time you've ever been organized in your life, and this is this is the season, okay? I'm going to and, take a chapter from my wife on that one because she was the organized, organized person in our family. You know what? She's going to be so proud of you. She's going to yeah. be so proud. Yeah. And if you suck at this, and I'm, this is me talking to the mirror here, ask somebody that is a friend of yours who's a church – someone at your church, someone that's your neighbor – Say, I am terrible at organization. I'd really love it if someone could make it, could come by once or twice a week and help me with this. And you will have people line up to support you who'd want to help, want to love you, and they don't know how, and they're great at organization, but man, they're thinking this guy's dealing with, in fact, he almost lost two family members. Boom. They're like, oh, I can do that. Somebody can help with a meal train. Somebody can, so that you don't have to worry about meals for the next 30 days. People want to help, but they need clarity. And that's where you can really help yourself and them by giving people jobs and direction. Okay. Yeah, we've
1: we've gotten that outpour, out, outpouring of support with like meals and stuff. But you're right about the clarity. That I've just been trying to let it kind of happen. And that's
0: right. Take, own, ask, take ownership of I, it. Okay. Yeah.
1: If I ask for something specific, it usually happens. But I just don't. I don't ask enough for for what exactly I, I
0: or we may need in yes. the moment. So that's the third thing here. Okay. We've talked about getting people in your life. We've talked about organization. The third one is going to be grief. And you are going to have, I need you to hear me very clearly. The life that you knew is now over with a period at the end. Okay. I think I know that. I know you, I know. And most people don't have the courage to say that out loud to someone they love. And so I'm telling you as my new friend, there's a period at the end of that sentence. And a lot of grief gets hung up because people want to go back to life before the affair. They want to go back to the way things were before I gained this weight or before we had kids or before whatever the thing is. And we spend so much time trying to get back to the past instead of building a new future. Yeah. And so I want you because the temptation is if I can just get these kids like the right psychologist and then we can all get back home and we get my my. 10-year-old healed up and get my wife back. Then we can get back to this thing and we're just going to go back to the- Your life before this is now over. Okay? Okay. Everything forward is you building something new. And that should be both terrifying... It is terrifying. And scary. And it should also give you direction. Okay? Every time you think about... Yeah, but it used to... <clears throat> You can stop and go, that part's over now. Now I am going to have the opportunity to rebuild my marriage. And my wife's going to have a lot of healing. Here's what healing's going to look like for your wife. What did I miss? What was it about me that my kids did this? How could I Mm -hmm. create kids and grow kids? That that kind of stuff is going to unspool and unspool. You're going to go through that too. So when I talk about you're going to get a different wife, you're going to get a, you're going to become a different husband, it's not that your psychology is going to be different. It's that y'all are going to be asking yourselves hard questions about what happened in our home, and those rattle people in their core, as they should, right? Yeah, they're, they're difficult questions to come face-to-face with, for sure. And they're not going to have real good answers. No, there's, there's no answers that's going to be satisfactory, absolutely. And everybody deals with ambiguity differently, or that's just what happened, differently or maybe you're going to find a journal or a bunch of social media stuff or a bunch of, Oh my gosh, I kid, I, we missed X, Y, whatever the things are that come out. Or it may have just been totally random. And few things are scarier than random. Right. Right. It'd be a lot easier if we could point back to some abuse or to something. Oh my gosh, my kid just woke up and decided to do this. I almost lost my 10 year old. Um, so I want you to be hyper intentional about every time you start to lean back into it. We just need to get back to <sighs> that part's over. But
1: you do need to, you do need to ask those questions, right? I mean, that is. It is oh, a good for, thing dude, for, for sure.
0: I'm... You'd be a psychopath okay. if you didn't answer those questions, ask those questions. <laughs> okay. If you're not plagued with why and what were you doing and how and what was it about? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to ask those questions. And that brings me to the final thing here, number four, okay? And again, I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. I didn't know where this conversation was going to go. You, my brother Aaron, have to take care of Aaron. And your temptation over the next six months, over the next two years, is going to be to make sure everybody else in your world is okay. And it's going to come at your cost. And so what I'm telling you is I want you to never forget this. The best way you can make sure everybody's okay is if Aaron's okay. And that means you may have to get serious about your physical health for the first time ever. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, You got to start lifting weights and going on a walk. You're going to have to be intentional about what you eat. Because when I get stressed, dude... There's a special aisle in the grocery store, and it's just covered in gummy candies and chocolate and shenanigans. It's incredible, right? You have to be intentional about what you eat. You have to be intentional about going to sleep. You're going to have to be intentional about getting a counselor. You've got a couple of years of work ahead of you at at least, okay?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a long road.
0: It I, is. I've it been is. relying on my my
1: wife to keep me in the healthy with the eating aspect of our relationship for Our entire marriage, basically. Yep, uh, and now you're in the driver's seat. It's going to have to change.
0: There you you go. That's right. And it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel heartbroken. It's okay to not be able to get out of bed for a couple of days. And that's when you're going to call on your friends and say, hey, I need someone to pick up so-and-so from school. I can't move today. Grief is going to look different for everybody. And you get to grieve how you need to grieve. But you got to be intentional about taking care of yourself, okay? I think I can look to that. I know you can. And I also know you're on autopilot right now. So here's the, the last the thing I want to ask you of, okay? Okay. Sure. In two weeks, in four weeks, in five weeks, I want you to call me back, and we'll have you back on. And I want you to let me know where you are. And it may be a season of, man, people are healthy, things are good. It may be you are in a black hole of despair, and I want you to give us a shout, okay? Yeah, I can do that. And I'm going to ask you, who's walking with you? Are you being intentional about taking care of yourself? Do you have a plan of grieving this? And do you have some organization going for you, okay? Okay. And last, last, last thing. (laughs) Okay. Your oldest and your youngest— don't lose them in this process, okay? No, I'm worried about them, to be honest. Because yeah. I, I told you earlier
1: in this conversation, they're, they're doing the best just because they're kind of removed from it. And I did that somewhat intentionally. My, my oldest son, we had, I pulled him into it for a week or so, but after, you know, he can't go visit his mom. He can't go visit his son because right. of all the covid stuff. He's not, he's he's kind of a weight to me. So I told him, go back to school, go back to work, you know? Yeah. There's not a whole lot you can do. And, and he's, um. He, he's doing good. He's a stoic character, yeah. um, and my my daughter, she's removed from it, and she, she's happy-go-lucky. But I'm a little worried that that goes on too long, and they they just kind of disappear into whatever they're going to disappear into. I've kind of lost track a little bit of, of, yeah. of both of them. You know,
0: do they, does your um, oldest, who's in college, live around you in any any shape, form, or fashion? Oh, he, he still lives with us. Oh, okay, great. Um, okay, so here's the deal. Yeah, I mean, Here, it, here's how you can do must, this. Okay, every week in your calendar, and this is part of your organization. You get a calendar too. I want you to plan a meal with each one of them by yourself okay okay when you and this will be in a season when you can't get out of bed this will help you get out of bed and in a season when they are so heartbroken but they're scared to call you because they know you're heartbroken too this will put you'll get to put eyes on them so I want you to let them know from this point and you can tell them from now until the foreseeable future You and me are going to breakfast every Tuesday morning. Build your school schedule around it. Build your work schedule around it. We are not going to miss this time together. And that's when you're going to ask questions like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How's your heart? Are you angry? Are you pissed off? Are you heartbroken? All those things. And you're going to get all that. And I want you to take your daughter out. Okay? They need to see and touch dad because everything in their world is unanchored now. Yeah. And by them seeing you, you're gonna see them, and you're gonna get anchored in too. Okay. I like that idea.
1: My my son and I, my oldest oldest son and I, we went to church just the two of us for the last few weeks, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we went out to lunch after church, two Good. weeks in a row, and we kind of gave it up.
0: But I nope, back on that. for the next yep. eight years. Just put it in there, man. <laughs> you got a long road ahead of you. Yeah. All right, Aaron, I'm gonna let yeah. you go. Okay. But thank I you so much for your call, brother. And we're so happy that your wife and son are coming home. That's incredible. And we will be thinking about you guys from afar as you go through the court process, as your family heals, and as you create a new tomorrow. Keep in touch here, and we'll be thinking about you, my brother. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet, has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back. I want to get an email here from Caitlin. Caitlin writes, since reading your book recommendation Solve for Happy. So Mo Godot, G-A-W-D-A-T, if you haven't read Solve for Happy, it's an extraordinary read. Um, please pick it up. I've realized that my brain chatter is loud and often happens when I'm not realizing it. My, my husband's mind is apparently blank most days. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's not, but that was awesome the way you wrote that. What are ways I can achieve peace and quiet in my mind to help me live in the moment? I'm aware of meditation, but I'm looking for more options during the day when my mind sneaks up on me. So, great question, Caitlin. Great question. Um, you might heard it said monkey brain or monkey mind or... Um, uh, There's a thousand different ways you can talk about brains, rumination that just spins and spins and spins. The way I've seen rumination happen is um, either folks have imaginary conversations over and over and over in their head, you know what I mean? Like with people that, you're never going to have this conversation, but it just goes over. If I, man, if I see them, I'm going to tell it. No, you're not. You're not going to actually have that conversation. Or if that guy walks up to me in the bar, I'm going to tell him, you're not. You're not going to actually say that. But we... Go and go and go and go and go. And we spin ourselves up. We get our bodies all wound up. And then we try to solve that wind up with, I'm just going to tell them this and this and I'm going to quit. I'm going to get another job and I make seven figures. I'm None of that stuff's real. The other um, rumination is the catas- c- catastrophizing, right? Well, then if this happens, then, you know, if there's a, a an economic correction or downturn, then everyone's going to try to, Cash all their money out, and then we're not gonna have any money, and money's not even real. And what are we doing? We should be I know Bitcoin. Or I'm gonna buy meat and wood and cigarettes and coffee. And then it's I'm gonna be I'm gonna have an axe. I know what we need. Bullets. Lots of bullets. We'll trade those for water and dogs. And what, eh, whatever. We start catastrophizing. Or the third one is those are the two big ones. The third one is just going all day long. Hey, what about this? What about that? Hey, look at those clothes. Why is that driving like that? It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And we never even stop to think. What are you doing? Stop talking. Shh be quiet. And I'm speaking from firsthand knowledge here, because I have a brain that never stops. So, here are some things I have done over time that have really helped me. Meditation, the reason meditation is good is it's practice. It is practicing gently taking control of that monkey mind, the one that just goes, it goes, it goes, it goes, goes, and goes, the chatter, the chatter, 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 chatter. And so I, meditation has worked wonders for me. It's something I've, I do regularly and I've done for years and years and years and years. But also, recently I've tried something that doesn't involve meditation. It involves being intentional. So here's what I've, I've come to learn that our bodies get addicted to our stress response. It's a chemical addiction. It's a perception addiction. So when I say addiction, I mean, just like nicotine, just like alcohol, our bodies get addicted to it. And when things are going okay, when we're just driving to work or we're just walking home from work, or we're just sitting down on the couch next to our husband here or our wife or whatever, our body wants a hit. Or I hear that in the shower, like people tell me that this happens in the shower a lot when their brains just go bananas. Our brain wants a hit of that stress response, of those stress response chemicals. And so what it does is it notifies our frontal lobe, alert, and it spins up a conversation. It spins up anxiety. It spins up a story that then our body can go, ah, stress response, let's solve this thing. And it kicks it all up. And now we're in a fight that only we can solve through our clever one-liners that we're never going to say, through our mic drop moments, or through catastrophizing, future planning. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a bunker, and in the bunker I'm going to have 18 years of canned foods, and then I'm going to have a gun so I can shoot my neighbor for their water, whatever. It feels like productive thinking. It's not. It's a fantasy. It's not real. How do you stop it? What I've started to do is when I feel my body spin up, Or when I find my, I catch myself just having these mindless, nonstop, go, 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 go. I will say the words, stop. What are we solving for? And I will get quiet for a second. And I will ask my body, what are we solving for here? Usually it is, I have to have a hard conversation with somebody. Or I just got some scary news about the economy, about health, about physical health, about my kids at school, whatever the thing may be. It's usually my body just trying to reach out and scan the universe for some fantasy solution to some real problem I'm having. And so what I'll do is I'll stop and say, what are we solving for here? And if it is, I really have to have this conversation with somebody then I will go write it down. I'll get out of the shower. I'll dry off. I'll get a pad and a paper and I will write down. Here's a conversation I need to have. Here is what is going on right with my radio show. Here's what's going wrong with it. And it's not James' fault. It's probably Kelly's fault. Probably. I'll write down these things that I've got concerns about and I will stop and I will let my body, I won't just run off with it. And sometimes this takes five minutes. That's it. Sometimes it takes 15 minutes. I was on a plane the other night flying back from Vegas to after a speaking gig. And it took me about an hour to just type all this stuff out. What is? What are you doing? What are we solving for here? What I've tried to do over and over, is so what meditation does is any sort of intentional thought work is what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we solving for? What are we trying to solve for? What relationship is dysfunctional here? And when I'm finding in short order that when I take back control of my thoughts, back control of my mind, it goes, oh, we're good? Okay. And it literally will quiet itself. I had a weird moment on the plane after I spent some time riding that out. When I just sat there, I broke my headphones. That's a whole other story. I broke my headphones. I had nothing. I'm just sitting on the plane. And my brain didn't take off on me. It was just peaceful. And I need you to know, as an OCD guy, as an anxious guy, I don't experience that very often, but I've been practicing hard at it. Catching myself, catching myself, catching myself. Here's another thing that's really important. I've learned that when I load up on caffeine, when I load up on sugar, when I don't exercise, I have less control of my thoughts. I have less control of my brain spinning out on me or when it does spin out on me and I recognize it, I have less motivation to sit down and write out my thoughts. I'm like, whatever, dude, this sucks. I'm going to go grab a bag of gummy candy or whatever. And so take care of your body. Be intentional about going for a walk. Be intentional about um, taking cold showers. Don't sit there for 11 hours taking a hot shower. That's when my brain spins off on me. Be intentional about taking care of your body. Have human connection around you. And your brain feels safe. It doesn't feel like it has to solve everything. And when it does spin out on you, and it's not because you're tired or because you're just eating trash all day or because you're on coffee number 14, write them down. Ask your body, what are we solving here? And then the magic is reach out and let somebody know. Have that hard conversation. And if it's not safe to have that hard conversation because you're in an abusive relationship, that person's going to fire you. Go to somebody that you can talk to about it. Go to somebody you can talk to about it. And last little piece. (laughs) Caitlin here. My husband's mind is apparently blank most days. (laughs) It's not a blank mind or a person who just sits there flipping channels or playing video games. Their brain is doing the other thing. It's not fighting. It's not running. It's frozen. It goes, I can't handle this stress. You're a lot. So I'm out, bye, and it unplugs. That person has to practice plugging in, practice having conversations, practice, what is your body feeling right now? It's actually feeling nothing. Why? Well, life is fun. Life should be full of joy. You can look for beauty. What, are you, what is your body freezing from? So it's the same exact process, just the other way, okay? Same process, just the other way. Caitlin, here's the magic. You can learn to control your thoughts. And when you find yourself having chattered up your mind for an hour, two hours, three hours, don't be mad. Be curious. What are you doing? What are we solving for? Why are you having this conversation 45 times? Call your boss. Call him. I can't call my boss. not safe. Cool. Call your friend. Let him know. I hate my job. It sucks. I need to find a new one. Cool. Go do that. Call my friend Ken Coleman. Get a new one. I'm burnt out, I'm fried. Call my friend Christy Wright. She'll help you out. Whatever that thing is, write it down. What are we solving for here? You can control your thoughts. All right, as we wrap up today's show, one of my favorite songs of all time, written by his wife, June, and Merle Kilgore, but Johnny made it famous. Johnny C. Ring of Fire, and it goes like this. Love. It's a burning thing. How do you... I can't not sing it. And it makes a fiery ring. Social Distortion's version of this. Incredible. Bound by wild desire. I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. We already said that. We're going to say it again. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And this is the part that could be a Preparation H commercial. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire... The Ring of Fire. We'll see you next time on the Dr. John Deloney Show.